Hello, I'm Tom Walker. You might have heard me, maybe on the radio, or see me on telly, or come to one of my gigs. And if so, thank you. I'm a songwriter and a musician, and apparently now uh, a podcaster. So welcome to the Memories That Made Us podcast, where we explore the power of memory and the weird and wonderful relationships we have with our own. Each week, me and my special guests will try and untangle the key moments that have shaped who they are today, where they've come from, and where they're going. Today, I've got an absolute legend. This man's recipes have laid down the foundations for so many of my own memories with family and with friends, and probably for you listening to. After all, it is likely that you've got one of his cookbooks in your kitchen. Jamie Oliver is with us. He's an absolute legend, a master of his craft, but he's also such a fantastic storyteller and a really down-to-earth bloke who loves nothing more than a good chat, as you'll hear. So with that said, let's get cracking then with Jamie Oliver. The memories that made us. Thank you very much for coming on this podcast. This is my first episode and to... Uh, Am I your maiden voyage? You are my maiden well, voyage. let's not mess it up. Maiden voyage, Mr. Jamie Oliver. Thank you so much thank for coming on Thank you very much. Shall we get into it? Let's get into it, bro. Now, I've had a few conversations in the run-up to this chat with my friends and my family, and there's a few common threads, a yeah. few memories that seem to override everything else. So... We want the listeners to hear a range of Jamie Oliver moments today, not just these two. So I'm going to lay down a few ground rules. Great. The first is no marriages. Yeah. The second, no kids. What if they were illegitimate kids? <laughs> we can make exceptions. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Carry on. That's fine. <laughs> so those are the two rules for the podcast. Anything else pretty much goes. So, yeah. Okay. That's good. That's made my life much easier. We'll, we'll jump straight in then. So first thing I'll ask you is, what are you rating yourself out of 10 on the memory scale? Uh, I reckon seven and a half. That's pretty good. Yeah, I think, I think seven That's and a half. That's way better than me. Yeah, and if it's, if, if it's like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's a good question, isn't it? I'm not sure if it's my memory or the fact that from the age of like 24, when the Naked Chef hit, it went mental. Yeah. And as I'm sure you can, you know, sympathize, when you're busy, busy, busy all the time, full on, you sort of seem to not be present in the moment and you're just grafting and things disappear. Yeah. So I keep finding out that I've had dinner with people that are really exciting and interesting that I don't remember. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, when we did that thing, we and then it yeah. slowly comes back. So that's telling me my memory's not good. But I also have a weird memory where I can memorize like slightly mad like statistics and numbers, which is really handy for my job. Yeah. Although I'm bad at a lot. I do have to memorize a lot of figures and statistics. And if I'm having a ruck with a minister or some kind of thing about public health or like a campaign I'm doing, like I need to be at a rattle. Yeah. Um, for some reason, I'm good at it. I don't know why. That's a, that's a good skill. Basically, skill. I, sh I should be working on a market <laughs> stall. That's what I should be doing. <laughs> I, I should be a retailer on a market stall. Is there something that you're always forgetting? Names. No, yeah, I'm the same. I'm mate. really, really bad with yeah. names. And, and I think... You know, part of being dyslexic, which I am, is always compensating. Yeah. And early days, I compensated by calling them like big bollocks, um, well hung. <laughs> and that's great on the fellas, but it doesn't work it doesn't on really non ladies. ladies. <laughs> so, um, so then it becomes sort of darling sweetheart. And it's just like, and yeah. it's, it, it's just, you get to a certain age where it just doesn't wash anymore. It's not charming. Yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I have to sort of just keep saying it, saying it, saying it, saying it. <laughs> but then you get those people that go, don't call me, mate. 
Some people hate that word. They do, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. Brother as well. Yeah. I'm, brother. I'm just yeah. like, all right, yeah. All okay. right, big fella. Don't that's, know. That's, that won't do that. <laughs> yeah, no, nothing. And then you go, what's my name? Yeah. <laughs> so a piece of music that takes you back in time. What is it? And where was it? Oh, a piece of music. Yeah. Uh, a song that takes you back somewhere. Um, I think Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. Absolute Which tune. is Otis Redding. I was about six or seven. Mm in my dad's van, which is just like a little truck. And we used to go to cash and carry and buy stuff for our family business, which was a pub. And uh, it was a bit of me and dad time. Yeah. But I think it's the first time that I knew that's a tune. Yeah. That's a certified uh, banger. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and start the whistle. My dad's yeah. a massive whistler. Which is slightly hereditary. Like, is he know. good, or he just likes doing it all the time? Um, well, it's quite it's quite funny because my dad he doesn't really understand the concept of stealing, right? Um, so he comes around my house even to this day, and I always say, "Listen, you've got to watch him just because he's my dad. Don't mean he's going to steal everything. Like, he's going to go in fridges. He's going to go and pull bits of kit out. <laughs> and if he's whistling, that's him covering his tracks. <laughs> and then like his, his his pockets are bulging." You gotta watch him, but um, there was a famous whistler. Um, no, this is what the people want. This no, okay, so there was. Uh, it will come to me, but that's my memory. See, look, it's, it's, my yeah, memory's yeah. shite. It's well, shot, mate. I've started a, a um, podcast about memories, and mine yeah, is you, shocking. And you've invited someone that can't remember. No, so in the local <laughs> pub was Roger Whittaker. Oh, there we go, Roger Whittaker. And um, he used to be able to kind of go. Oh, wow, yeah, that's quite. Where's these skills coming from? And he, so he used to come like, so everyone would be like, he'd walk in the pub and everyone would go. Like, and I just thought, where's that? A seagull? What is that? What is that instrument that you've got in your gob? But um, yeah, no. Um, anyway, I digress. Go into Cash and Carry with Dad, Otis Redding. A nice son and dad moment at the revelation that that is a tune. And I think there's always a moment when you, it's not just noise. It's actually like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you listen to a lot of music with your dad? Is he into music? Did he Not show really. you a lot of stuff or it was all kind of, because I know your dad owned a pub and he taught you to cook back in the day and all that, but music wasn't really in the cards. My dad is so many good things. Yeah. But there's so many things that most humans have that he don't really partake in. So yeah. he never really had a football club. Right. He never, and still has never gone shopping for clothes, ever. <laughs> no, dude, seriously. Seriously. Like, Never. Good lad. Right? We use recycling. I mean, the nearest you'll get to him buying clothes will be going to some kind of homeware store to buy something protective for his shins for a strimming, <laughs> right? Um, and um, and definitely didn't ever buy music. Yeah. He was just a grafter. He grew up in a pub. He was a great, he knew work. He was an incredible tradesman, uh, an amazing man, great ethics, but just like, he just missed out on all the stuff that most geezers loved. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so, um, but I, I mean, I was really into music and um, uh, loved it. And I know you're a drummer in a band, Scarlet Division. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching on YouTube years. earlier. Well, yeah. Some bangers on that <laughs> lad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the singer was incredible, actually. Yeah. Louise, really Louise Ann Brannan. She was lovely. Yeah. And, 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 and I still speak to the guys now. We were in the band for 11 years. So living yeah. in the country, uh, we only had a bus that came through twice a week. So like yeah. you had to make your own entertainment. One version of entertainment was you'd all look at each other, the boys in the village go, oh, God, I'm so bored. Yeah. I've got a great idea. What? So we used to get like just a, a broomstick and tie our jumper around it and then someone would be on a bike and then yeah. everyone else would have to run within the boundaries of the football pitch and we'd just have to club them, right? <laughs> that was our entertainment because we were so bored. 
But then every now and again, the jumper we tied on fell off. So it's just a pure club. Yeah. So all the kids have just walked back with big lumps on their head and like busted lips. <laughs> but that was country life. It's um, the glory of uh, growing up in the country. I, I kind of miss it living in London, you know, like climbing trees is one of my favorite things yeah. as a kid. And know? rivers yeah. and fallen trees. And yeah. when they cut the stubble in the summer and you're left with just the stubble and you pull it out and there's basically a, a, a bomb. Yeah. And having big wars and... Yeah, sticky no, yeah. weed. I miss sticky weed a lot. That was class at school. Sticky weed. Yeah. <laughs> I think sticky weed was something different where I come from. But yeah. It was, it's, uh, oh yeah, that as well. That was yeah. slightly, slightly later. Yeah. But, have, you um, a, have you got a favourite gig that you went to? Talking about the band, you know, over the years, is there is there a gig that you went to that completely blew your mind, or a band that you saw um, that was your absolute favourite? I mean, I think I was blessed really because I think like when I was just becoming a teenager. Within a 20-minute train journey, we could get to Cambridge. Yeah. And the Corn Exchange, which I'm sure you've played. Yeah, have, and yeah. the yeah. Junction, which you've probably also played. Like, they were always busy. And, and at that time, when I was sort of 12, 13, 14, 15, it was um, a lot of indie bands, you know, driven by Manchester, Liverpool, yeah. Leeds. It was everyone from Stone Roses to Jesus Jones, James. Yeah. And in those sort of early years before they all got big, it was just such amazing energy. Yeah. Loads of Northerners in Cambridge. Can you imagine? Because like, <laughs> yeah. even, like, even though Cambridge is my local city, it's a weird city because it's a, it's a city of two tales. You've got the universities that make it seem posh yeah. and there's posh bits yeah, yeah. and there's loads of posh people and clever posh people. And then there's real Cambridge, which is like, it gets quite gnarly. Yeah. Um, I mean, I used to support Cambridge United and, and I was forever getting duffed up and it was properly rough. So it was always a tale of two cities. Yeah, it was all kind of, um, it, was, it was a real kind of interesting crash between the end of quite goth DM boots, drain pipe, trousers, and sort of like, you know, a lot of darkness. Yeah. And rave, kickers with tags, yeah. um, whistles. And because and I was so uncool, I did all of it. Yeah. And I was, <laughs> I was so untrendy. Yeah. Yeah. It was brilliant having all these Northerners come down and just kind of, they were just loving life, having, yeah. having a moment, throwing out. And it was, and I have to say, and, 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 and I know I'm a bit older than you, sadly, but the precious moments were in vinyl shops. Yeah, like I agree. Meeting I agree. girls, flicking yeah. through vinyl, white yeah. labels. It's too it easy was beautiful. And, and what people forget is the artwork. Yeah. Well, it's coming back now, though, to yeah. be fair. Like, I've got, a, I've got quite a big vinyl collection. Yeah, well, I've moment. got... Your album's in vinyl. Exactly. I buy in vinyl. Exactly. I, I buy in vinyl. And it's yeah. And I think like getting up and putting a vinyl on yeah. and, and having to keep doing that. Yeah. It's sort of it's like, I don't know, it's like making a cocktail or cooking. Sitting like, with your missus and putting a few vinyls on yeah. at night is one of the best things ever. And leaving it so it starts scratching across the yeah. paper, you know, if you don't have the groove bit at the end and all that kind of stuff. It's an experience. And, and having to get up and, yeah. and think what next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and kind of tweaking through yeah. all of them. Yeah, I love all that stuff, man. So did, did you want to be in a band? Because obviously you've been cooking since a very young age. It's like basically four years old, you, you got put to work, right? Yeah. 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 So did, Eight, did actually, the music yeah. and the cooking, did you ever think it might split ways and you had an option to do one and an option to do the other? Or was it, I'm always going to be a chef? No, it was music first, actually. Really? Yeah, because I started cooking at eight. And as you know, with any kid, if you keep repeating, 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 they get good. So yeah. whether it's bloody gymnastics or boxing or BMXing, like kids get good quick. Yeah. And I started cooking very young. Yeah. Chopping, cooking, went round all the sections of the kitchen, which I know you know because you worked in the kitchen. Yeah. Like, I, but by the time I was 13, I'd done the loop about five times. Yeah. So 
it wasn't that I was talented or born with a gift. It's just I'd done it a lot by that age yeah. and repeated it a lot. The music thing for me was, it was just, it felt like just the most wholesome, beautiful, genuinely cool thing to be part of a little gang where you could go into a room with nothing and write a tune. And even if it's a crap tune, like it's still a tune. You're still and, having the best time yeah, ever. Yeah, it's still you? the best time ever. And, 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 and funny enough, I went up to the shed. I had a shed in the bottom of the garden to try and not upset the neighbours. <laughs> and I actually took the trouble to egg box it because that was the... I mean, I'm sure it don't work. I, don't think I, I, much, I, no. spent, mon <laughs> I spent months collecting egg boxes and I, and I super glued the whole thing with egg boxes. And then my mate's dad said, oh, do you want some underlining from the, from the, from the carpet? I'm having a new carpet put in. Yeah. And I went, yeah, yeah, all right. And I picked up the underlining because it was all quilted and we had drapes of that going That probably would have done a good Yeah, bit. but the problem was he had like four dogs and they pissed everywhere. So there's <laughs> all this stained underlining. And then when it got hot in the British summer, the yeah. whole thing like became this sauna of dog piss. <laughs> but it sounded great. <laughs> um, and, uh, but yeah, I think it was, um, I, I will say that being in the band as a kid, uh, I had the most precious friendships and it it kept us out of a lot of trouble. Yeah. And it gave us in the middle of nowhere in the, in, in the countryside, like something to do. Yeah. We, we were doing it twice or three times a week. And then as we got, got, you know, as we got older, we, you know, started doing the scene in London, like just the little, the pubs and the Camden scene and bits and pieces. It was brilliant. And yeah. then it was just too much in the end. It was too much. And, and frankly, we weren't good enough. Yeah. So, you know. When was the first time you realized that you were, really good at something because i i kind of had that moment with with music where a lot of things in my life didn't make sense at all but this one thing was really obvious to me do you know what i mean when did you have that honestly this is how i see me mm. so when i see you and i've seen you a few times rattle out one of your tunes yeah like that that is quite a high level of talent like, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. I, 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 I don't think I'm good at, I'm all right at a lot of stuff. I would disagree I, with that strongly. I, I, I don't think, <laughs> no, I don't think I'm genius at anything. I would, how many books have you written? 23. Think, exactly. How many TV series have you had? How uh, much, do you know, this is the thing, and I'm going to, I'm going to beef you up here because it's got to be done. You, I think you've done so much to change people's view on food. You know, like back in the day, you got my dad's cooking. Because my <laughs> mum was excited about doing recipes. Do you know what I mean? Like, you got my dad into the kitchen trying to cook. And then you changed everybody's ethos on what children should be eating, on ready meals, on... You've done so much for food in this, in this country. And that's no mean feat. Do you know what I mean? And you've got involved with politics in parliament and tried to bring real change over the years. That's much bigger to me than writing a bloody song. Well, look, I'm grateful that you feel like that. I, I suppose the point is, and it's not like putting myself down or, or anything like that. I yeah. just, first of all, you don't have to be really good at any one thing. Yeah. You can be quite good at a lot of stuff and yeah. that's still a talent, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think the only thing, the only reason I've been able to do the things that you've mentioned sure. is because I'm good enough at quite a wide berth of things. Yeah. And, and of course, things like, you know, because of, I think probably because of my dyslexia and, and not being able to get like, you know, pen on paper per se, like I wrote my early books on dictaphones, yeah. which as I realized the other day when I explained it to a young kid, they don't know what a dictaphone is. So <laughs> yeah. a dictaphone, if you're listening, <laughs> is a small taped object that would be in your hand with a mini sized tape 
with some magnetic stuff that had sound in it. Yeah. Um, and um, uh, that would record stuff. So I wrote my first three books on dictaphone. Yeah. And I, I, I think you have to be a problem solver. I mean, I can cook pretty well, but I know, I know loads of chefs that are way better than me. So, yeah, um, but I think that's that's the that's the thing in life, isn't it? There's always somebody who does something better or slightly different. But there must have been a point in your life where you were like, "I am decent. I'm better than the average person at cooking." Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It must okay. have led you on the path well, that you were on today. Okay, so it, so if if you're, I mean, like, so I've given you the longest answer for this. I mean, if if that's what you're after, and probably what in a weird way defined part of my style and strategy. Yeah. It was about 14. Right. And I'd gone through the loop of the kitchen several times, driven by pocket money. It wasn't love. It wasn't passion. I think this is really important for a lot of people because, like, you know, one of those people that's better cooked than me is one of my ex-students, mm. you know, and um, he didn't even want to cook. His auntie made him come and cook and be trained by me. He didn't even want to. Yeah. And I, I didn't want to cook in the pub. It was just pocket money. Yeah. But I think as you start to repeat and repeat and get confident and feel that finesse with touch and feel and doing the jobs and getting used to it like a day and not whining, yeah. you know. Um, it's real graft, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think by the, and doing weekends, which are like throbbing with people and stress and shouting and the Getting language. Monday off when everyone's at oh, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good for no one, is it? Yeah. It's like, but I think by, by 14, I was pretty handy in the kitchen for my age. And, and one of the things that I had to develop quite quickly is a lot of the graduate local students were like 21. Yeah. And they'd come for jobs. And then the head chef, which is not, not good times for me, the head chef would say, right, you work with Jamie. Jamie, tell him what to do. So you've got a 21-year-old and a 14-year-old. Right. Yeah. You're going to... So like, the size difference and everything. So I had to sort of develop a style of teaching, which I think I still use today. But the style was to basically set it up and tell the story and hold their hand through the section and how it works without getting kicked in, yeah. basically. Like yeah, put yeah. in the freezer, you know. <laughs> and... and um, uh, so I think that was my main motivation. Even though the, my mum and dad owned the pub, that would not stop me getting a kick in. Like yeah. I was always in the freezer, by the way. <laughs> and I always had chili shoved in stuff. I always would get to the end of a shift and I'd have literally a hundred clothes pegs on my back of my jacket that I didn't know. I'd have wanker up my back. Yeah. You know, Character I mean, building stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think they were toughening me up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they would, um, I think when I was going through my leather jacket stage, which every good man needs to go through Absolutely. at some stage. I'm yet to find uh, mine, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it'll yeah. come, it'll yeah, come, it'll so. come. They, they took it, it was on, a, I, I was proud of it, that I put it on a, on a coat hanger, yeah. right? And they put it in water, then put it oh, on no. the coat hanger in the freezer. Oh, no. And then just before I got changed, <laughs> they put it back up where I found it. It looked exactly the same. So I'm getting changed, I've got my stuff on, then I got to put my lovely jack on it, like... Concrete. <laughs> yeah, it's this, like, and freezing, like, oh, right. But, um, yeah, character building. Well, talking about the kitchen, uh, I want to go back because obviously I, I worked, um, as my mother likes to say, I was a cook. I was never a chef because I was, I was pretty rubbish and I was being carried by a load of people who basically thought I was a nice bloke, but a useless chef. Um, what is your most memorable accident in the kitchen? Now, it can be a funny one or I'm sure there's a few serious ones that you've had over the years. So it's totally up to you. Um, incident, shall we say, rather than accident. Well, I mean, there's a few things. I mean, I mean, uh, probably the most memorable one is I was working on a Sunday and after Sunday lunch, we would, you know, we made all our own desserts. And one of our most famous desserts was a beautiful banoffee pie. Yeah. And you had that caramel on top of the pastry. And we used to make it by putting condensed milk tins 
in a big pan with water and you'd cook them for two hours in the water and it would just caramelize. And yeah. then you open the tins and Bob's your uncle. Um, so I let the water ball dry, which then took it from caramel to <laughs> like molten lava. And then all the tins exploded. Oh, no. And, and it was like stalactites and stalagmites of pure hard caramel all over the kitchen. Uh, luckily, it didn't happen when anyone was in there because it would have given them third degree burns. Yeah, 100%. Um, but the mess it created was just like um, unimaginable. And I, uh, the, the rollicking I got for that was just phenomenal. <laughs> and I was just so glad I didn't hurt anyone. Yeah. But um, you know, when I was at college, we were doing a big assessment, when gastronomy, and, and, and we had to do a dish from a country. And um, I just, for a laugh, thought I'd stitch up all my college friends. So I got the hottest chili I could buy, Scotch bonnets. And I individually stuffed every penne with a lovely big sliver of, of Scotch bonnet. And I served it up and I just got them all. And it's, the sauce was nice and subtle. Yeah. And, they, and they smashed it and then the heat kicked in and I just completely destroyed the whole class. <laughs> I mean, there is quite a lot of stories. I, 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 I I'm going to be honest, a lot of them are quite rude. Yeah. So, I mean, chefs tend to be quite naughty. Yeah, I do know this. Yeah, yeah. yeah foul-mouthed, absolute Look, reprobate. And, 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 <laughs> and, in, and in fairness for them, like just for the for the non-chef people yeah. listening. You've got to pass the time in the kitchen, what, haven't you? Whatever level of kitchen, yeah, what, yeah. that's that's it. Yeah. Like whatever level of cook you are in whatever restaurant, it looks cute maybe, but when you're on your third box of mushroom prep, yeah. Or, or French beans. Yeah. It's kind of boring. Yeah, 100%. So and if you don't develop the, the keen art of talking shite, yeah. then, then you're never going to get through a shift. No, 100%. And, and, and obviously, like, you know, cooking is not an old man's game. No, you've, you've got, got to half get, stamina. You have got to get good, quick, young yeah. to sort of get yourself to a position where you can be doing more of a 10, 14-hour day and not, you know, yeah. you know on your last legs so. yeah for sure I think that's what I've realised about it like I wasn't good enough to climb the ladder quickly to get to a position that would have been anything other than working six days a week and hardly and but thank god you didn't dude thank yeah. you god you didn't for sure I did my first gig the other day actually oh that's my own phone sorry who is it was it someone <laughs> I exciting no I thought it's probably see if it was mum we could have talked it's about it's not even cooking. I think it's a spam call I keep getting them five times a day at the moment I don't know who's giving me number out insurance yeah 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 it's one of those you've had a car accident yeah just go don't own a vehicle but how mate. mean is it <laughs> someone's had an accident do yeah. you need help it's yeah. like who's had an accident yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah is there a moment or a memory that you should regret, but you just don't? Probably back in the day when I had 15 restaurants, it was a charity and, 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 uh, and it all, all the profits paid for students to be trained. And many of those were either homeless or sort of from prison. And um, <laughs> we got pestered by um, Bill Clinton when he was over on a kind of like, right. you know, president, oh, presidential, oh, you, oh, you presidential. And like... <laughs> So we were like that. We were booked out three months in advance. He's like, you know, can we come to the restaurant? It's like, of course you can. Yeah. How many do you want? Like four, six? Like we'll, we'll squeeze, squeeze you in. But like we're booked out months in advance. No, no, we're going to be more like 10. Actually, can we just take the whole floor? I said, well, I'm ever so sorry, but like I can't cancel the whole floor. Like, but, but look, I, if, if I duck and dive, I can probably get you like 12, 14 people. And yeah. it's like, okay, we'll take that. So you go through the protocol, you do the menus, you approve the menus. And then on the night, he turned up with like 36 people. So, so what do I do? Uh, and then the menu that we'd approved several times, the PA of him came down and screamed that it was inappropriate for his guests, who, by the way, hadn't been approved because he had 36 <laughs> instead of 12. <laughs> yeah. um, and said, this is not appropriate for my guests. They're all on the South Beach diet. 
and what's that? <laughs> basically protein, um, and then through the menu at my PA, the bit of menu flying through the air, paper cut my PA on the face, and I thought I'm not having it. Yeah, I'm not having it. And all the food we prepped with love, pure love, was like just pushed aside, and we just were just. You know, we just had to change the menu and sort them out. I just said, lads, you all right with this? I'm going home. I thought, I can't have it. Yeah. Can't have it. I don't like regalia. Just because you're up there doesn't mean you can't be humble. 100%. And, and it wasn't yeah. his fault per se. It was his people. Um, but, but if you surround yourself with, with shit people. Yeah. So I went, I left. And, and I, do sort of, I do sort of think, well, I should have been more professional and seen it out. But then, you know, when I look at, Danny and the paper cut on his face. I feel, nah. You know, paper cut. Step two, I mean, what, what next? You want to have a go at Conkers? Um, <laughs> Just yeah. send you over the edge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair enough, yeah. lad. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Have you got a favourite memory from the creation of one of your series or one of your books that just absolutely sticks with you? You're absolute... Yeah, I've, actually, one comes to mind straight away, which is when I did my first Italian show when I and I kind of like, I'd, I'd kind of done school dinners, which was a documentary. But it took about eighteen months to film, yeah. and and as amazing as that ended up cutting, and as immediate as the change was, like beforehand, no one wanted me there. Ah, uh, no, it was the horriblest job, the toughest job. Yeah, like they were very it, until it went on TV and in the papers, no one thought it was a good idea. Yeah, I was quite exhausted, so I escaped to Italy for six weeks in my camper van. And I went around there to be inspired to, to, cause I really hadn't been focusing on cooking enough, not proper cooking for a while. And there's this one moment where I went to one of the oldest monasteries in a place called Farfar, it just outside Rome. And it had one of the biggest old like herb herbatoriums and herb. Oh, herb well, like yeah, it. it's I like, like the sound of that. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> and, um, but like, so I was going there for, and, and like in the old days, really the only people that could write and read were the monks. Yeah. And all the people from around the area would go to them to write up the historical bits and pieces, including recipes. Anyway, that's why I was there. Ironically, what had happened is over the 20, 30 years, um, all the monks had gone. There was only four left. And guess what they were eating? Exactly the same stuff as what was in the freezer in the schools. It was like basically a version of, of really? turkey Twizzlers. And yeah, no like it, all the culture I thought I'd get had gone. Yeah. And that then we went with that story and, and, and kind of, um, and that was the whole thing. But anyway, the thing was, I lost a monk. How did you lose a monk? I'll tell you how I lost a monk. So I, the, the herb, they had the biggest herb garden and the most important herb garden in, in sort of Italian history. And when I got there, it weren't there. I'm like, where's the herbs? There was just a couple of little plants in the car. Where's it all gone? I've read about this thing. So I thought, well, well one of the constructive things I, I can do is go and raise some money and replant this bloody garden, right? Yeah. So I wanted to raise a couple of grand. I thought, right, I'm going to go and get amongst it. So we just cooked a load of food. I had this trailer on the back of my um, VW camper and we were just selling gear. Me and Crazy. the monk. Monk yeah. was helping, right? And we, you know, we made enough money to replant the whole garden. Great. Sick. But towards the end of the day, I had been giving him, like, I've always found, like, the context of hardcore religion, no judgment at all in any sure. religion. Yeah. But so what can you do? What can't you do? Always fascinated me. But what they can do is they can have a drink. Oh. Vinsanto, you know, which means, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know, 
something of God. You know, so it's, it's like, you know, so I was giving him Prosecco. So I give him a few Proseccos. Oh, he got smashed. loopy juice. No, he got smashed. <laughs> he got smashed. And then we started chit-chatting and then it got, you know, maybe a bit more of my chef talk came out. Yeah. Then my, my instinct is I think he got a bit guilty. Right. Because maybe the, the, the vocab had gone a bit unmonkish. Yeah. I looked around, he'd gone and he never came back. Did you ever see him again? So we lost him for four hours. We had to call the local police. And um, the local police found him for... What did he say on the phone? Excuse me, I've lost a monk. Yeah, (laughs) I did. And and I said, I think, you know, I think uh, in broken Italian, I think he might have had a few too many Proseccos. (laughs) Um, But um, we found him four hours later praying in a ditch. I thought you were going to find him in the local bar. Nah, he was in a ditch. He was in a ditch praying... And I think we'd had too much fun. Yeah. And I think the guilt's had come in. I didn't do anything that bad. Yeah, yeah. Prosecco's, um, you know, it's not I mean, I did, I did make him, I, in, my, in my VW camper van, it was a 1957, like, 56 split screen. That's when you put the uh, Porsche engine in. Yeah, right? that's yeah, good, lad. Yeah. Good, good research. And, 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 the, and the roof come back. Yeah. And I did make him hang out of it and pretend to be a bird. <laughs> I'll never forget him. Volio Velare. <laughs> Fantastico. And um, so I think you might have had the, you might have felt that he was, Acting Enjoying up. himself a bit. He too was much. acting unmonkly. Right. And yeah. Um, yeah. anyway, we got him out of the ditch, got him home, and he and and it was like it was, we didn't really that was it. Yeah. <laughs> For the next two weeks, we yeah. just sort of like waved from yeah, a distance yeah, yeah. and that was yeah. it. But yeah, so I don't know what the moral of that story is, really. Um I think that does sound like the best moment, to be fair. That sounds absolutely amazing. Don't lose a monk. Don't lose a monk. Uh, and if you're going to give a monk alcohol, maybe go for red wine. A bit more of a sleepy effect. I don't think you can trust him with any, mate. It no. went down, I mean, he did breathe it. He's the blood of God, though, isn't it? Red wine. Uh, yeah, fair, I mean, he was, fair, He was going fair. about, you know, Jesus, he was going about turning water I think into go wine easy. Restraint. Yeah, yeah, restraint. <laughs> yeah, there was no restraint there. Have you had um, a life-changing trip? Because obviously you've been all around the world now and just seen every culture, every diet. Every everything is there. Is there one place that you've just absolutely fallen in love with? I know you're a massive fan of Italy, so I'm going to take Italy off the table. Yeah, is there one place that really sticks with you that you didn't ex- expect to fall in love with as much as you did? Oh, uh, I mean, look, I mean, so many places I've been lucky enough to go to and look through the eye of food, which by just brilliance is an eye into everything right yeah through food you can get to everything i think in a sort of i mean i could go a thousand ways here but i think like one of the i think in like in the search for what nice and good looks like as a community and as food and as a culture like probably the most balanced beautiful place was when i was going around the world looking at the parts where people live the longest yeah. Um, you can look at long life as the oldest, like 110, 115, 120 years old, whatever. Yeah. Or where's the place where there's more 90-year-olds? Yeah. Or where's the place where there's more 80-year-olds? And the place where there's more 80-year-olds than anywhere else on the planet is a little island called Ikaria. It's a Greek island. And there's something about island life that absolutely makes them not Greek. Yeah. They think they are not Greek. Right. Because, you know, the mainland historically has never treated them like Greece. They've always been fobbed off in the war, this, that, and the other. Yeah. They, they put prisoners of war on the island to die. And, of course, they got healthier. <laughs> <laughs> um, and interestingly, because a lot of the people they put in jail were kind of philosophers and people that were kind of like 
talking openly about right and wrong and sort of various types of politics, they were they were quite educated. So they just sure. they basically put them on there. They got healthier and the island got wiser. Anyway, long story short, I was very inspired by how this island had this incredible balance between genius food. They liked a little drink. Yeah. Um, they were they had more eighty year olds than anywhere on the planet. 65% of men said they still had sex regularly and successfully. That's a good figure. And also, but what was interesting was, like, when I saw a disabled person in the village and this, this person uh, was mentally handicapped in some way, shape or form and sure. was sort of bouncing around the village. And what was really beautiful was the whole village was responsible. Not one person, not a mum, not a carer. Yeah. The whole village. That's wicked. And when you talk to them about it, it was like, it's our responsibility. Yeah, because we're a community. And that was like, I, I'm, I'm, for me, that was like, you know, and then when someone got ill, right, so they got some of the healthiest people on the planet, but yeah. of course they still get people that get yeah. cancer or this or that or the other. So when someone gets some terrible cancer that needs like a 60 grand operation, yeah, what they do is they'd throw essentially what we would call a rave. Right. They had a posher sort of more quaint name for it, yeah. but basically they threw a rave. Yeah. And going back in time, the whole island would go to it Right. And they'd spend a couple of quid yeah, and yeah. they'd raise the 30 grand, the 10 grand, the 40 grand, whatever the, the number was. They would raise that money and then they'd get them to the mainland and they'd get them sorted out. So for me, I just thought that was, there was a lot going on in a short amount of time from amazing food to long life, yeah. how you look after the less fortunate. Yeah. You know, for me, that was like... The whole package. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it sounds quaint, but it felt to me quite profound because we're always looking for something clever. Yeah. Or some bit of technology. And actually, sure. I think at the heart of it, one of my the things that inspires me amongst uh, lots of chaos is that I think humans are innately good. Yeah. And lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And kind. Give us a chance, we'll do all right. Yeah, well, I, I just think like anything that makes you feel gratitude. Yeah. Is powerful. Yeah, people and are going to be a lot more grateful for their lives and what they've got and all that kind of thing, which is a good thing. Some of my favourite memories are at home with my mum cooking your Jamie's beef recipe, which is yes. a fillet, a big piece of fillet steak yeah. with porcini mushrooms yeah, yeah. all wrapped together sure, and then though, cooked yeah. in a whole bottle of wine. Yeah. And we have it every year. Yeah. Funny and enough, I, the recipe weren't with a whole bottle of wine, but I like your innovation. Right, okay. Well, that, yeah, was, I mean, that was my why, mom. Why have a slug? <laughs> she <laughs> why always have cooks, a glass when you can have a bottle? <laughs> she always cooks it in an entire bottle. <laughs> it works. Tastes great. Um, but I think there's there's been a lot of times in, in my life, especially where food has brought me back to a certain place and certain recipes, you know, really remind me of home. And I've really missed that during lockdown. You know, I've really missed those recipes and eating my grand's soup and the beef that my mum cooks every year, yeah. and the Christmas cakes you always make, you know. So is that kind of what this this book's about? Yeah, 130 I mean, I, of your favourite recipes that bring you back to that moment. So the book's out and it's called Together. And, yeah. and, and I guess the word together means something a bit different this year. Yeah. Like tonally than it sure. did a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah. And I think part of that gratitude maybe that we've all learned from lockdown is, may, I mean, maybe in a world that's so you know, blissfully technical and, and we're spoilt rotten and, and, and we've got access to so much. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe like touch and smell and feel, you know, maybe they've been ramped up on the hierarchy a bit more. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah, I think, yeah. I think like for me together was about, you know, even coming in here where we're doing like, people still look shocked that there's people. Oh my God, there's a person with a pulse. Yeah. Wow. <gasps> like there's actually, you know, wow. Like we've been, we've been stuck wherever we've been stuck 
to have people you love back to your home, yeah. unless I'm mad, mm. I could be. But I think the book's about, no, no, you're going to cook an epic meal in your home. Yeah. It's going to like, what does a good meal look like? Like, so how does, like, what's the ebb and flow of this yeah. hour, two hours that you've got together? It's the same for dinner. Yeah. And, and, and actually it is from the tunes to how you dress the table, who's coming, where do you sit them? Yeah. And in a way, and actually what's interesting is I wrote the book. So it was all about getting ahead. Yeah. Guaranteed flavor. Yeah. So yeah. that when your mates or family come around, you're not sitting there sweating, pretending you're having a good time. Like basically <laughs> you're just banging in the last bit and serving. So, so I think actually the whole book is dedicated to presume the food's good because we've yeah. done the homework, yeah, but yeah. actually just have a laugh with the people you love. Yeah. So that's the theory. In a year's time, I'll tell you if it worked. <laughs> <laughs> you can let me know. I mean, you know, in, in a world of fast food, yeah. it, it's, uh, you know, hopefully there's, there's time in people's brains and hearts and, and lives to take a bit of time. Yeah. Hopefully this is the, the, the year that we're all just getting back into, you know, our version of the modern Great British dinner party. Yeah. You know, what, I mean, even the Naked Chef back in the day when I was 23, 24, sure. like I was like, you know, just a, basically a fetus with big lips sort of saying pucker a lot. <laughs> and, and, but ultimately it was saying, look, we ain't getting the pub, we ain't getting the restaurant, come round, let's yeah. get pissed up yeah. and I'll make posh kebabs. I mean, yeah. that was the Naked Chef. It was yeah. about let's party. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully... You know, in a slightly old, you know, I haven't got the big lips anymore because my face has changed and grown into them. You look beautiful. I'm still the same on the inside. Yeah. I'm still nice. You still pucker to me, right? Yeah, thank you. Every day. Every yeah, day. when I'm on my own, I, I say, still say pucker. But <laughs> I edited it out of my my repertoire because even I got fed up with it. <laughs> I heard my son say it the other day <laughs> and I'm like, where did you get that from? I goes, I don't know. He's I been said, watching old videos. Yeah, like. I was like, oh no. <laughs> The memories that made us. I know we've not got much time and you're a busy man. So I'm going to give you, this is the magical box. Get some of these sounds in here. It's a lucky dip Is it question. Oxo cubes? Yeah. Is it gravy granules? <laughs> it's, it's what do you got in there? It's gravy, lad. It's gravy. <laughs> um, we're doing a lucky dip on each one. So there's a bunch of questions. Pick one and you, you shall answer it. Let's have a little look. I can't remember quite how this worked in the format. As, as the podcast listeners who probably don't know. Well, I'm the vir a Virgin Voyage. So like, Virgin Voyage. I've never done a podcast before. Yeah, exactly. So here we go. The moment you realised you were different. Oof. Well, mm. <laughs> it's a good one. Probably The moment. Uh, was, it was, well, it was probably when I was at secondary school and in a very subtle, gentle, sympathetic way. If... You weren't one of the brightest kids, mm. which was a category that I fell into. Yeah. Um, you would be dealt with by in the middle of class, let's say English, about 10 minutes in. Hello, yeah, I've come up to pick up Jamie for special needs. Right. And then everyone would look round, and then as I got up, they'd all be throwing paper at me and they'd go, Oi! <laughs> and they used to sing special needs to the tune of Let It Be. Yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not quite yeah. the same as That's everyone cool, else. Man. And That's then they the... take us to the attic uh, of the school that was about 400 years old. And, the attic? Um, yeah. Well, what was in the attic? Well, it was a small room to put a small amount of people. Right. Not many of them had many teeth. Right. And, um, and we would just, just do the most patronising learning you would ever imagine. But they'd also leave us for quite a long time as well, which yeah. also don't feel quite right, does it? Yeah, and, no, um, it doesn't. So, um, well, just on your own in the attic. We'll nah, just shove them all nah, up in the attic, so we, see what happens. There was a little door, little door that, that 
you get bored after five minutes, a little door that used to look down the library. Yeah. And because it used to be a hall, yeah. we used to open the door and then just build bombs. Yeah. And then just rain it down on all the clever people. We, we weren't, we weren't, you know, we weren't angry. No, much. no, no. Well, if you get in a song like that, you've probably yeah. got a few things you're going to be like, a little bit bitter about. Do you know what I mean? Good tune, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a banger. Yeah. Like, the, the lyric change, I'm yeah. not too sure yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mate, you've been such an amazing guest. Um, I've got three final quick fire questions that I'm going to ask every guest um, on the podcast just to finish it up. So if there's three items to sum up your life are going into a box, what are they? Oh, Bennett. I know, um, I know. So behind you, Pestle and Mortar. Yeah. That Why? is, yeah, like, if anyone... Have you said that because it is behind us or... or no, no, genuinely, I think... The, put it in. No, I think it's it's like, if you like food yeah. and you haven't got a pestle and mortar, yeah. then you haven't found that, like, that's the holy grail. That is dressings, marinades, spices, sweet, savoury, like, what happens in there, like, Lovely. makes it worth it. It yeah. makes the roast, it makes the curry like that like if you haven't got one like situ- get online now and get one uh, I would my second would be cold pressed extra virgin olive oil yeah because it's very good Hanging choice. Um, I think the third one would I mean what do we do with the third one I mean I think um, I think um, I'd just put some toilet paper in there and say <laughs> hold on yeah. You're going to need this. You're going to need this with you. Yeah. yeah. This will come in handy, I, I promise. I'm not sure if it's going to be worth it in the end, yeah. but have a good go. Yeah. I like it. Three good items. Um, the piece of advice that stuck, who gave it to you and what did they say? <laughs> okay. What's really funny about this bit of advice right. is I have tried to look at it from many different perspectives. And every perspective, it's right. Right. So my granddad gave it to me. And he was an old landlord in a pub. And he was a really good old school one. He would never be behind the bar, always in front, always welcoming people, yeah. making them feel special. Like in a village, you know, you'd have to know everyone. And he was a dude. His nickname was Foxy because he was Foxy. He was always sharp. Anyway, as a child, and, and to give you context, because it wasn't quite appropriate, because I, was right. I was about six. Okay. Right. He sat, he came down to my level once, right in my face. He said, listen, son, he loved me, loved me to bits. Listen, son, there's only two things in life that will get you in trouble. I went, all right, granddad, what's that? He goes, that's your cock or your wallet. And I went, sorry? He goes, that's your cock or your wallet, right? Now, I'm only a little kid, right? First of all, was it inappropriate to say the word cock? Probably. Yeah. But here's the thing. It was a profound bit of advice so I'd be with him in the summer holidays and I'd be bottling up and helping out. I was always working, as you know, already, like working yeah. behind the bar, like sure. dishwashing and t- picking up the cigarette butts and, you know, all that stuff. And uh, people would come up to the bar at different stages in the day yeah. and go, oh, Ken, oh, Ken, you never guess what, la, 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 la. And then as they said the problem, which is what the, you know, the village landlord always gets, he used to lean over the bar to me and go, cock. Whatever problem, and, and then wallet. But what's amazing about my granddad's very, very profoundly poetic bit of global advice is he was right. Yeah. And that's what I should probably leave you with. That's solid. Right. We'll, we'll take it. <laughs> Mate, you've been such an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on. It's well, in been... fairness, I'm your first and only guest. I know, so so I know. you've got no the reference bar point. set high, well, though, now. Well, I feel like that this is the reference point, and it's been an absolute uh, pleasure. I really my PR appreciate. will love the tattoo out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you try and edit that out? Not me.
We're just talking about some memories we made. We're talking about some memories we made. We're talking about the good, the bad, the bittersweet, and truly sad. We're talking about the memories, the memories that made us.